Hello, and welcome to Living Stones, a podcast of conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church, highlighting the victories and struggles, the snapshots and stories of the people sitting right next to you on Sunday morning. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Dave Amy, our pastor of marriage and family, or as I think of him, the pastor with hypnotically gentle eyes. Wow. Thank, thank you for doing this that's with a, me. That's a new one. <laughs> Have you not heard that before? No, Your eyes are very striking. Wow. I didn't realize I had that kind of power. Yeah. Use it wisely. It's a new superpower I've tapped into. <laughs> um, you are yet another pastor on staff that I would at some point like to have in the guest seat for an interview someday, because I know you've got a story to tell. So just know that I have you in my sights, sir. But for now, um, I asked this of Becky Bibelheimer on the last show, and I thought, I think this is a good question. I might have to take this uh, on the rounds with some other pastors. So I'm going to give it to you next. If you could have another skill set or talent that you don't currently have and had to choose another career, can't be a pastor anymore, okay? That you'd be, and, and this is another career that you'd be successful enough to support you in, as a, support yourself in, and, and your family as a result of this new skill set you have. What career would you choose? Do you think? Wow, that's a tricky one. Uh, fortunately, I've been one of those people that's been able to do quite a bunch of different careers. Uh, before I was a pastor, one of the careers I had was being an elementary teacher. And uh, oh my gosh, really? Yeah. What grade? Uh, I was mostly in fifth grade. Oh, you poor man. So, uh, but you know what? I, I love teaching. Mm. Uh, there's something about when a child, the light bulb goes on. Mm. And kids in elementary school like being there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're kind of like a superhero. Mm. Uh, so when they show up, they want to be there. Uh, kids are excited. They're enthusiastic. So... I love teaching. Uh, if 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 the Lord would have continued that route for my life, uh, that would have been awesome. Uh, I would have been completely content in that. Mm. I also loved coaching soccer. And so uh, when I had that season of life, uh, it was very full. Mm. Uh, um, I loved interacting, uh, helping people reach their potential. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it, it was a lot of fun, a lot of energy. Um, Energy required by you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. So, yeah, kids are fun. Uh, I get, I get a real kick out of kids. Uh, I, they never. Uh, my kids wear me out, so I don't know what that's about. Uh, I love them <laughs> dearly, all four of them. Uh, but uh, other kids uh, are energizing to me, so I don't know what that's about. Wow, that's great. That's a gift Someday to have that. I'll have to ask God what 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 that's what if that's a spiritual gift or just patience that's I don't know. something i i um for i want to say about seven years i was uh, substitute teaching uh, oh, on okay. a pretty regular basis part-time and uh i only did elementary school for like one year uh because it was yeah I, they, they didn't get my humor i was you know <laughs> <laughs> and also like they're the really little kids are obsessed with going to the bathroom. And I think they just wanted to interact with me. They wanted to have mm. some kind of an exchange with me, the sub, you know, who's this weird, interesting person. I want to have a moment where I'm communicating with him because I made the mistake um, of when one kid said, raised his hand, said, I need to go to the bathroom. I let him go to the bathroom. 
Mm-mm. My parents explained this to me later. They, they were Mesa Public Schools music teachers for many years. They explained to me, no, 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 you don't let the one kid go because what happened after that? All the hands oh, shot up all across the room and they all, I was like, okay, what do you want? I, can I go to the bathroom? Um, yeah. Can, can I go? To, wait a minute. No, no, no. You can't all go to the bathroom. We got a lesson plan. <laughs> I have to get us through. <sighs> all right. Um, Should we pray about that? No. <laughs> No, I am, I am uh, given over to my flesh in that area <laughs> with no hope of redemption. <laughs> but, oh, here's a really terrible transition. But speaking of redemption, <laughs> all right, that was dumb. But um, we did have a really cool conversation uh, earlier talking to Michael Tantone, who has experienced very real transformation in his life because of Jesus, and he agreed to share that story with us. I'm so glad that he did. Here's that conversation now. Michael, thank you for doing this with us. I really appreciate it. Um, I uh, know almost nothing about the story that you're about to share, so I'm like extra on the edge of my seat and really interested in hearing, you know, (laughs) what you have to share. But before we kind of dive in, can you give me like a snapshot, just so people have some sense of context, a snapshot of your life, you know, like how long you've been married, how many kids you have, their ages, and and just kind of basically what kind of work you do, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, Been married a little over five years. Um, We got married July of 2014. Um, We've known each other, though, for uh, many, many, many years more than that. Okay. We went to high school together. Oh. Uh, Went on one date. Okay. Uh, our junior year, and that didn't go the direction neither one of us wanted. So, <laughs> uh, 22 years later, we reconnected um, through Facebook. Um, oh, wow. I was living in Nashville. She was here, uh, had two beautiful children, and but was recently divorced. Okay. And so we thought, and my brother had just had his second child. So my Facebook page was covered with babies. Hers was still looking like a family. We just sort of started communicating and friend requested and then started messaging. And the next thing you know, we were like, hey, you're single and I'm single? Hmm. hmm. So it, it evolved from there. And a okay. year later, we were married. Wow. Yeah. So I moved back very, you know, within a few months, I moved back. Okay. Um, we now have a third child who's three and a half. Okay. Um, so we've got Cameron, who's 13, Kate, who's 11, and Aria, who just turned three and a half. And that's... Uh, is a full house. Not, yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, grew up here really in Arizona. Um, first 10 years of my life was northwest of Chicago. Um, okay. That's where my family, my parents were from. Uh, grew up, they grew up there in Des Plaines and went to high school there, met as uh, sophomores in high school and have now been together for 56 plus years. Okay. They sell, yeah, they were together. They just celebrated their 51st wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, so they were... Uh, shining example of what a marriage should look like mm. and how it, uh, what, what I expected my life to go, the mm. direction I expected my life to go, put undue expectations, I think, on myself hmm. because mm. of that. But, uh, and of course, when those things didn't happen, you know, things went sideways hmm. and we'll get to that. But when did you, again, for context, when mm-hmm. did you first become a believer in Jesus? Um, growing up as a child, I was raised Roman Catholic. Okay. Um, I did catechism school every Saturday morning. Um, you know, did mass every Sunday. We were at the church till one, two o'clock in the afternoon. The whole Roman Catholic thing, first communion. Um, moved to Tucson when I was ten, and continued that. 
um, then moved to Phoenix when I was 12. And at that point, we broke away from the Catholic Church and went with the Lutheran Church, kind of a Catholic light. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, uh, that was through high school. Um, so I was exposed to the church. I was exposed to, to Christ. And, and um, I don't know that I really understood had the gravity of it at that point, maybe a little bit, but that seed had been planted. Um, and then through high school was a big part of high school youth group, traveled with, uh, you know, every summer we went on a high school, you know, trip to California and, you know, we did like Wednesday night type thing yeah. where we were playing broom ball and, you know, doing activities with the high school and, and kind of was surrounded by a lot of different groups of people in my high school days. As far as, you know, on, on Sundays and Wednesdays, it was high school. On other days of the week, it was who knows what I was doing, but... Do you um, remember a specific uh, time of life that uh, you mentioned the gravity didn't quite hit you of, you know, uh, of, of Jesus and what he's done? <clears throat> Was, do you remember a, a, a specific age about that you were at when those things did become more real or, or significant? It was later in life. Okay. Um, I, I would say that um, connecting with Danielle um, would be the... I, I, I pulled away in my 20s, um, my mid-20s. Um, I really pulled away from even any belief okay. in, not God, I always believed there was something bigger than me out there, but Christianity and Jesus and, and who, you know, some carpenter that walked the world, you know, the earth sure, 2,000 yeah. years ago, really? Come yeah, on. And, yeah. and it really, you know, read read some books and I think, you know, Dan Brown's uh, Da Vinci Code. Oh. Um, the book that that was inspired by, um, I think it was called Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Yeah, I think it's you're right. It's a yep. huge book and it, it goes really historical, con you know, context and just brings up a lot of questions mm. about the Bible itself and mm -hmm. the direction that the New Testament goes. And I read that... Um, at a time in my life where I was very susceptible to non-believing. Gotcha. If, if, you, if that's a real word. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of was where I was at late, you know, 2010 through, through 2013 when Danielle and I reconnected. I was just sort of spiritual, believed in, believed in a higher power and a God and, and you know, something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. But wasn't in Christianity. Christianity wasn't a part of that. Okay. So okay. Um, it was, it was Danielle. It was the catalyst that brought me back to Red Mountain. Okay. Uh, brought me to Red Mountain, which then through the relationships I built here really have you know, opened my eyes to who Jesus is hmm. and, and how he was always there, always working in my life. Hmm. Even when I look back now, I think yeah, I didn't think so then, but oh, I can see it now. Mm. I can see that. I can see this, and and that's I think where where I really became a believer. Okay, was just in the last five five years. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, my understanding is that your story involves uh, a sort of a low point. Uh, did that point become before or after uh, you became a believer, or maybe b before or after you? Uh, had this kind of get a, got a sense of the gravity or a light bulb came on 
Um, and then what can you tell me about that low point and kind of how you found yourself there? To, I know that's really open-ended. There's a lot there. So you just take I, it away, whatever you want. No, no, no. That, uh, you know, I was, uh, in high school, I was popular in a sense that I was popular with everybody. Okay. I was, my mom used to call me a chameleon. She could open my closet door and there was different, you know, the preppy kid was in there, the goth kid was in there, you know, the jock was in there. I was every one of those, depending on how Michael felt that, that week. Hmm. Uh, one week I'd wear sweats. The next week I'd wear, wear a shirt and tie. And the next week I'd be, you know, wishing I had a letterman jacket, hmm. you know, kind of thing. That, that was my life. Um, and um, that carried me through high school to a certain point, um, towards the end of my high school and uh, towards my senior year, the junior, between junior and senior year, I kind of went off the rails. Um, I started drinking a lot with friends. We'd go out every weekend and, um, just became more susceptible to, to looking for a praise from others, from my peers that looking for their acceptance in any means possible, through any means possible, hmm. which took me down a dark road. Um, I never made it through my senior year. Um, I, by November of my senior year, I had dropped out of, out of high school. Okay. Um, I, you know, went, uh, parents helped me get into, uh, some counseling and some behavioral, um, facilities here in Phoenix that were fantastic. But one of those things where they, I wasn't ready and, but you know, in order to stay at home, I did what they asked me to. Hmm. And, you know, over the next couple of years that evolved, you know, I had months and, you know, years of good time and then of, of feeling good and, and being successful. Um, in 1992, which is the year I was supposed to graduate, I ended up going to Phoenix College and got my EMT. And so I was an emergency medical technician. At, at the same time my friends were graduating high school, I was certified as a EMT. Wow. And that was... You know that that carried me only so far. I couldn't. I didn't get necessarily get a job of doing that. I did like event staff and was doing concerts and mountain bike races and jet ski races and things like that as medical standby, mm-hmm. um, just having fun with it. And in the you know I lived in Scottsdale with a friend of mine in an apartment. We basically just kind of hung out during the week and on weekends we did these these events and um, we we had fun and that again spiraled back into finding the wrong crowd. Hmm. And that crowd, you know, eventually in 93, I found um, methamphetamine. Oh. Within a matter of three months, I had my own apartment. I had moved out, got my own apartment, and um, up in, back up in North Phoenix. And within a matter of three months, I was evicted. Um, I was probably 130 pounds. Um, yeah, I'm... You know, my, my healthy weight is probably 175, hmm. 180. Um, even then, I was grown man at the point at the time, but yeah, yeah, it was skin and bones. Hmm. Um, and that that the next several years, um, yeah, I don't want to go into gory details about what that looked like, but you know, for the next several years, um, I struggled. I thought joining the Navy would help me to get out of that, and it did for the period of time that I was in the Navy. And okay. Within days of being uh, discharged and coming home, I was back getting high again. Hmm. And How long were you in the Navy? Two years, two months. 
shorter than I was supposed to be. Okay. <laughs> Say that. Um, and that, again, that similar, it was alcohol in the, in the Navy. That's what sailors do, hmm. right? They, they go from port to port and drink. Okay. So at 21, 22, 23 years old, that's what my naval career consisted of. I've been to 17 different countries, and I don't remember most of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so coming home to um, feeling like a failure um, and finding... All my friends that I left behind when I joined the Navy were still in the same place doing the same thing. It was very easy to fall back into that. Hmm. And within a few months of being home, I was um, found myself, my, my parents weren't going to put up with it. I came home and moved back in with them, you know, until I could get back on my feet. Mm-hmm. And within a few months, I was back on the street. Hmm. And, or I was on the street going from friend's place to friend's place. I didn't, I wasn't at this point like pushing a shopping cart or anything, mm-hmm. nothing against pushing a shopping cart, but it, it um, I, I was just trying to get high. Hmm. That's, that was my day. My, and, and that was what our day was. Hmm. The people that I hung out with, that's what we did. Hmm. We went from place to place until somebody, until we were kicked out of that person's house and their mom or their, you know, roommate said, no, you got to go. And we would, you know, then we and that evolved into hotel to hotel until the money ran out, hmm. and then there was crime that became involved in that um, to manifest your lifestyle. And you can't get a job; you don't want a job, really. You mm-hmm. couldn't get one if you wanted one because you, you can't pass a drug test. Mm-hmm. You can't maintain a lo- you know. I can't get to work five days a week because I'm up for three or four of them, hmm. and you can tell. So that that manifested into. Um, Crimes, um, you know, um, forgery, check writing, and things like that. Credit mm-hmm. card fraud. Um, okay. That it it took me down a dark path. Hmm. Within a matter of a couple of years, I was kind of in it. I was in and out of a county jail several times. Okay. And uh, fortunately, each time I went in, it was like well, I say fortunately, but it was a matter of I I didn't get any major charges. I didn't. I'd get probation, and they let me back out. And for a couple of years, it went on. Um, eventually that all caught up hmm. and, um, I did end up going to prison for a year, which turned into like seven months and came out and things were good. And, and I stayed clean and sober and I stayed, you know, we kept a job for a couple of years and eventually things just kind of fell off again. Hmm. You know, uh, sadness, depression, self-doubt, insecurities, they do all you, crept in. Do you remember about what year we're at now? Probably, uh... 2006 okay. is when I came out of prison the first okay. time. Gotcha. Um, 2006. It didn't take long that time. I came out in 2006, and I was uh, I had gotten rearrested again by January of 2008. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I came out in 2006, and for about a year, I, I, about a year, year and a half, I, I managed to stay clean. But each time that you go back, it starts, it picks back up right where you left off. Hmm. So I was right back where I was, a, you know, a couple of years earlier, and the the desire, the, the amount, the, the draw and the pull towards that darkness was as dark, if not darker as it was the day before, you know, uh, years ago. Yeah. So that is pretty much that, that ends that story in that regards. Cause in 2000, January, 2008, I was arrested, sentenced in May of 2008. Um, I haven't touched uh, a drug since then. Um, I got released in December of 2000 or in, yeah, 2009. 
Okay. Uh, very end of December, December 30th. So it was right at the first of the year. And within a matter of a week or two, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who I had worked with in 2006. Hmm. And he was from Nashville, moved out to, out to Scottsdale, and that's where I met him. And in that time period between 2006 and 2010, he had gone back to Nashville, started his own landscape company, and out of the blue, I mean, talk about having a God thing in your life and having God in your life. Hmm. I had just paroled back to my parents' house like Wednesday. Hmm. He, he called me that Saturday at my parents' home number because it was the only number he had for me. Wow. And my parents saw the 615 area code and said, that's not for us. You answer it. Hmm. And he said, would you come help me run my business? Wow. Here I am. I'm in this position where I just got out of prison. I'm on parole. I have no direction in life. I have, I've just, the only thing I have right now are the clothes that my parents bought me for Christmas and the fact that they're letting me live at their house. I don't have a job. I'm going to have a hard time finding a job. I don't have any friends that I can reach out to. I have no, no, you know, close knit group peers that I can reach out to. I didn't know Christ at the time. Church wasn't even really an option at that point. I, I was really a non-believer at that point. Mm -hmm. And just, he reached out and it took a few months to get parole boards to allow me to go. But um, June of that year, I packed up everything I had in two suitcases and landed in Nashville and spent three and a half years there. Wow. Um, just really kind of finding myself and, and finding my own confidence hmm. and um, finding, you know, re re realizing that that higher power, that being is there and not necessarily being opposed to it as much anymore. Mm -hmm. that, that the thought of Christ being, okay, Christ was a person. He was a man who lived on earth. Okay, I can, I can buy that. He was a good teacher. Okay, mm -hmm. I, can, I can buy that. And, and so that door kind of started to creep, creep open. Um, was, it, was your friend a, a believer or like what? Yeah. So it was just kind of like um, you were remembering a faith that you had before and were kind of reconsidering Jesus because of that? Probably, yeah. That's, that's, that's more of what I, I think it was. But even at that point, still not considering myself a Christian. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still spiritual. I'm yeah. still, I believe in God. And that's about it, you know? Gotcha. Okay, I'll give him credit for, you know, for being an amazing person. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yep. What a great, you know, great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Not sure if I buy into the whole, you know, walk down water kind of thing. Sure. That, that was still like, come on, you know? Um, but then Danielle and I connected. Um, wasn't looking for it. Uh, certainly wasn't looking for somebody I knew from high school on Facebook who was living still in Phoenix. Hmm. Um, I was looking to set down and put down roots in Nashville. I, when I moved there, I thought for sure I would, I would stay there. And it was a great city. I loved it. It was great. But I just never did find roots there. Hmm. Uh, everybody I knew was either people I worked with or people at the bar down the street. Gotcha. And I... It, you know, and I don't want to paint a, a, a bad picture about the bar down the street because it was a it was my home. Mm -hmm. It became a second home. I didn't go down there and get drunk. Most nights I'd go down there and have a salad and watch TV, and it was just cheers. Yeah, if you I was will. Gonna, I was totally going to say that. I almost started making your way in the world That's today. It. Everybody knew my name. 
<laughs> and uh, I'm not sure if I was Norm or Cliff, but I'm kind of hoping I was either Woody I'm, or, yeah. I like all those guys. Yeah, so. Frazier. That's what I am. I was Frazier. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, I found people, and I'm still friends with some of those people today on, you know, through Facebook and stuff. Okay. The beauty of Facebook, it, it, it gets such a bad rap. Mm. Um, but Danielle and I will, will attest to the fact that it can certainly be a, uh, an avenue for good. I'll take it over Twitter. Any day. Oh, yeah. Or, <laughs> or Snapchat. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head around Instagram. Oh, yeah. LinkedIn, still kind of like, what? Huh? I don't know. I'm just going to get old. That's my strategy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I feel like, I, yeah, because I, you know, I am, I am now in, um, fast forward a little bit. We, we got married. We went really quick. We were, you know, approaching 40. Um, I came home actually. She, she flew out to Nashville in September. We reconnected in August. She flew out in September. I flew home to here for my 40th birthday in October. And then she flew out. And when I came home, or when I went back to Nashville in October, after that trip, I put in my, my notice. I'm like, okay. I'm done. I'm going home. I'm, you know, my family's all here. My brother has two kids now. He's had them, you know, he's had two kids since I left. Hmm. Um, my mother and father are still here. They're not getting any younger. My dad's now retired. My mom's retired. Hmm. I want to be a part of their life again. You know, I, I, caused so much chaos and destruction for 17 years of my life hmm. and their life that now I got my feet back on the ground. I'm ready to, to be a member of, our, of my family again. And um, so a couple of months later, moved back right before Christmas, 2013. Um, Danielle and I, um, you know, I got a condo close by and we just kind of kept dating and um, we got engaged in March. Uh, we started meeting with Carlisle um, once we got engaged. Okay. And he actually officiated our wedding. Okay. And uh, so that connection to Red Mountain helped me. And Danielle had been coming here for about a year. It was Easter, I think was maybe the first, right around Easter was the first time I came here, Easter of 2014. Okay. And it was about a year after she had first come here. Um, it was right after her divorce. And she was looking for another church. And through the process of us getting to know each other again, and um, I, I remember her as this little Jewish girl in high school. Okay. She was raised Jewish. Oh. And her family is still Jewish. Mm-hmm. Mom, um, mom and dad are both were, you know, raised Jewish and have, have a history of Judaism. Okay. Um, but now she's Christian. And I was... I was intrigued by that. Sure. Um, and, but I still wasn't ready to accept Christ. Mm-hmm. I was in love with a woman who had accepted Christ, who was Jewish and had converted to Christianity. And so that kind of opened that, that door. The door kept creaking open a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. And she was coming here regularly. And so I loved her. I love you. I'm going to come with you. And so I started coming to Red Mountain and I started getting to know people, starting to um, become familiar with people. When Um, was this about? It's 2014. Okay. Before we were married. Gotcha. Got connected with Carlisle and he was doing premarital counseling with us. And that evolved into just kind of doing some, you know, um, one-on-one counseling with him, doing the men's group. Um, and Carlisle's a pastor that was uh, on our staff at this time, for those who aren't familiar with that name. Yeah. Yeah, he's now over in the West Valley. 
Yeah. I'm still connected with him. Oh, great. Vaguely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that connection with him and then got into the life, you know, we eventually, um, well, before we got into the life group with, with, with Carlisle and Tina, we, um, Danielle and I started talking more about Christ and about how her faith came about. Mm. And it just kind of opened my eyes to, well, if she can do it, if it's, if this is how powerful it is for her, could I see that in me? Mm. And it was through that, that, and starting to look back at my years of destruction was Christ present. Hmm. Cause that was always the thing for me was if, if I, if there was a God, if there was a Christ, if there was somebody here to save me, where was he during that? Hmm. And when you're going through that, it's very hard to see it. Um, looking back on it, very easy to see it. Hmm. It's very easy to see. I'm still alive. Hmm. There are many instances during that time frame that I probably shouldn't be. Um, whether it be uh, just uh, interactions with other bad people mm-hmm. um, or just, you know, just living on the street. I, I don't know how I survived. You know, I really, I mean, looking back, it's like, well, I know how I survived. Now I was being carried. Hmm. But looking back, you know, it also was like, wow, it just, where was he? Where was I? Where was my view of, of Christ in that at that time? Yeah. And it was just selfish. I was scared. I was not willing to listen, was not willing to look at the signs. Multiple opportunities to get out of that life that I just didn't step through. Hmm. The doors were opening in front of me and I wasn't walking through them. I was you know, more interested in getting the next high or just hanging out and getting the acceptance of friends or that girl or something that kept me from going through the door. Um, and all this was kind of what you were reflecting on as you were looking at Danielle's faith and considering whether or not you could find yourself having faith in Christ. Yeah. Um, when we got married, you know, and talking with Carlisle and, 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 and being connected to another man in Christ as well, hmm. that helped a lot. Um, you know, in, in my previous walk through faith, it was... My parents want me to go to church. They think this will help me. Yeah. Um, go to youth group. That's, mm-hmm. that's where you should be. Mm-hmm. It's, it, don't go to the mall. Go to youth group. Mm-hmm. The mall is a place where stores are for the kids that are listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They used to be really cool places to hang out. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, you know, we... we I had a great relationship with a pastor going through high school because I was struggling with certain things and, and he really just stepped into my life. But at the time, it was, he was just a cool guy. Hmm. Um, you know, he was a pastor, but he was just a cool guy. Yeah. And so that kind of evolved, you know, that didn't, that didn't do, that wasn't enough at the time. The maturity, I think, you know, growing up, I was still, <laughs> you asked earlier if, the, if I mind being, if I like it, Mikey. Being oh, called yeah. Mikey. <laughs> yeah. um, I know you, your reference was to the cereal, but um, being called Mikey to me is almost, it's this, there's still that childishness in mm. me. And I think that's why um, the girls, the girls call me Mikey. And I say the girls as Cameron and Kate, uh, my stepdaughters. They, um, they have a dad 
who's very much a part of their life and is a fantastic part of their life. Mm. Um, and an amazing relationship that, that Danielle and I have with his, his, he, him and his new wife. Um, as, as co-parenting, we couldn't ask for a better situation. But at the, at the same time, I needed a, I needed a place in the girl's life. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't going to be dad. I wasn't going to be daddy and stepdad just as weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I became Mikey. Mm-hmm. Mikey is my daddy. It is their daddy you know, mm. for me. Yes, yeah. It, it's their way of, of having an identity for me. It's that term of endearment yes. and affection and intimacy. Yes. And yeah. That's what it... And, and so I know when they call me Michael, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, or they're in trouble, depending on the way oh. they say it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that childish... And, and it going back to that, like that inner child, that immaturity that I had for so many years. I, and I, I do look back at the my 20s and 30s, which is most of my 20s and 30s were, le- were kind of in, in destruction, mm-hmm. destruction mode, that that was just a selfish immaturity, uh, mm-hmm. a scared child reaching out for acceptance. Yeah. And so at this point, I still find myself, you know, I'm going to be 46 two weeks. And, uh, you know, there's still, there's still moments, there's still times, and Dave can tell you, that mm-hmm. uh, he's seen it, <laughs> that I react in a very childish manner as a, as a grown man, as mm-hmm. a husband and as a father, that it doesn't have a place. And, and so that is today's struggle. <laughs> um, but finding my maturity in myself and my confidence in myself allowed me to be open to the possibility of Christ being our savior. Mm. Um, and the fact that, that it was through Danielle, through the church, through having kids of, of my own now, before Aria was even born, that I, you know, I didn't know that I was going to be a father. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was a stepdad. I was going to do, do that as best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then becoming a father even more so. Mm. Um, I, I, it was... You know, I think a year later, I think Ari was a year or so old when I got, when I chose to be baptized um, here at Red Mountain because it was, I'd finally, you know, come to a point where, you know, this is, if I'm truly walking, you know, in the spirit, I need to let the world know mm-hmm. that I, am, I have gotten there. Mm-hmm. I am there now. Mm-hmm. And I let myself know too mm. that this is okay. And this is where I'm supposed to be, where I should be. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it was, it was, a, it was monumental to think, having been christened, you know, I was already baptized when I oh, was gotcha. in, through the Catholic church. Gotcha, yeah. At, at, you know, you're christened within a few weeks of birth. Yeah. You know, you're given your, you know, it's, a, it's a, a Catholic thing to do. Yeah. And so I always believed, even growing up in the Lutheran church or even, you know, as, a, as an adult, coming back to Christ, even for the first couple of years, I think that we were here and I was starting to walk in faith. I was realizing, I started to realize, hey, you know what? I can be baptized. Mm-hmm. I never chose to be baptized before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that choice to, you know, to, to step, step into that in front of the church, in front of the body yeah. um, was powerful. And, uh, you know, and then I think it also kind of catapulted the girls um, 
to both I both want to do it I don't yeah you know as far as hmm. you know their their Cameron has Kate she just got baptized too. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember because I know she she wanted to for longer than we than we just wanted her to wait. We mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that she really understood, and so I couldn't remember if she actually did or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, we need to schedule it. Yeah, okay. Um, but now, yeah, it sounds like. Correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like in your case, um, you're kind of like the definitive moment uh, of uh, the definitive state of of coming to Jesus, and trusting in him for rescue and all that that broad word rescue entails was really something that happened in layers and over a long period of time as opposed to like a specific moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and you just came to a place where, where you looked back at where at the journey you'd been on and, and came to the place where you're like, I'm ready to actually kind of like make this official, mm-hmm. you know, and getting baptized. Is that, mm-hmm. does that describe it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, and, and, yeah, the baptism was a, a, a I think finally a, a that outward expression mm-hmm. of what I had been struggling with and and feeling and 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 coming towards uh, for a couple of years since and for many years really but really in the in the fi- the couple of years leading up to it um, that even though I was even when I wasn't um, considering myself a Christian that as I started to process all of those years, it was there. And it was something that was just, has always been there, always will be there. And now just my acknowledgement of it, yeah. um, it was, you know, I wanted to, I wanted everyone else to know that, hey, I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm realizing it. And I want you all to know it too. Hmm. Um, I think working with the, the fifth and sixth graders um, did help that too. Hmm. Um, kind of when I first started volunteering in fifth and sixth on Sunday mornings, I was almost there more for me than for them. I was learning the Bible. Oh, interesting. Yeah. In a way that as an, as a, that inner child needed to hear it hmm. as that fifth grader inside me needed to hear sure. the Bible stories. Um, I never knew there was a, a children's storybook Bible mm. until we got married and the girls had one. And I would be, I always wanted to read that to them mm. because I was like, I can understand this. Yeah, There's yeah. no these and thous and yeah, yeah. Be, begots this. And, and I'm like, I can do this. It's condensed. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and then, and, and at the same time I discovered the message. Mm. I didn't, you know, it was apps on your phone now and I could, I could have all sorts of versions and I could read ESV and then flip over the message and go, okay, what the heck did I just read? You go, oh, that's that's what that was all about. Okay, let's go back over there nice. and read it, reread it again. Yep, yep. And okay, now I can kind of have a context and and understand and then having um, you know, the leaders in fifth and sixth that have been doing it for years talking on a fifth grade level mm-hmm. to a forty year old man who was learning at a fifth grade level mm-hmm. what the Bible meant. Yeah. Um so that it was that was phenomenal. And then just getting involved. Um, other places, you know, uh, whether it's the Rocky Point mission trip, um, that's been something that Danielle and I have done. Um, we, we did our first year of marriage, we did it together. And then, um, I, I've been doing it every year since. Um, what, what pulls you to something like that? You mentioned when you started helping out in children's ministry that at first it was kind of for you. And then it, uh, it sounds like it's changed in terms of, you know, why you continue to do it has maybe changed a bit, um, can you tell me a little bit about what 
continues to pull you to serve in children's ministry and also maybe what pulled you to the Rocky Point mission trip, that kind of thing? I think it's always been there. It's it's the person that I've always been mm-hmm. um, growing up as a child and even even during my destructive years, um, in the in the dark years of my life, I was still the guy who wanted to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wanted to believe that there was there was honor among thieves. I mm-hmm. wanted to even in, you know in that dark sense of I still was loyal to my friends mm-hmm. or to I don't want to call them friends, but the, at the time they were my friends. It was the only, the only thing I had, but I was still loyal to them. Over all else, I wanted to make sure we were all happy. And that was, you know, that was not a, a good thing necessarily, but it came from a good place inside me. Mm-hmm. I, and that's something that I, you know, I have, I've always, wa- I've, I've been somebody who's always tried to help. Mm-hmm. I've tried to be with, be somebody who just tries to do what I can. Um, I'm more comfortable, you know, helping somebody in the grocery store parking lot, you know, that I don't even know hmm. than, you know, the, just jumping out of the car and grabbing the, you know, cart for him or something like that. I'm always trying to look for pl- things like that. I, well, I don't want to say I'm looking for things like that. When I see things like that, I, I, I do try to act in things like that. And so when I saw uh, an opportunity to go to Mexico, um, the the reward that it was fun. First off, I mean, mm. it's a lot of fun going down there. You know, the, the fellowship with with the church on the drive down, and the and the the, the meetings leading up to it. Every mm-hmm. all of it is a lot of cool fellowship and getting to know and really surrounding yourself with fellow believers. Mm, yeah, um, and feeling the power of that even before the hammer hits the first nail. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that add all of that on top of it, mm-hmm. we take a pile of dirt and build a house. Hmm. Like in three days, like four like four days. Yeah, it's nuts. It's really like three days. <laughs> it's half a day, half a day, and two in the middle. Yeah, it's amazing. And um, and so just getting involved in that and 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 feeling like I'm a part of, it goes back to some of that. You know, even as a child, needing to feel a part of. Hmm. Well, uh, you know, I, I can feel a part of in a positive manner for my community and for the community and for the world around me. Mm-hmm. Um and balance that with taking care of myself, Hmm. then I think I'm on the right path. Yeah. Which, you know, before it was just taking care of me. How do I make me feel good? Hmm. And at any means necessary. And if that meant putting something into my body that made me feel good, well, that was easy. Let's do that again. Today, it's a little harder. To, to get that, but it's it's through hard work. Hmm. It's not any harder, really. It's just through hard work. Hmm. And the, the reward is exponentially better. Yeah, there's so. kind of an irony there in that you were, when you were focused on yourself and trying to fulfill yourself and, you know, spending years doing that, that that ultimately led to this sort of self-destruction. And mm-hmm. then your greatest, what I'm hearing from you is like the, the really lasting fulfillment is when you engage in um, being part of God's family and engaging in his family in that family life and serving others and having that outward focus, which is uh, is still something that like, you know, I I know in my head is true, but like that really is a challenging thing to to embrace and then, you know, trust the reward in that. So it's great to hear your experience. Connecting, yeah. But connecting that brain to the heart and the soul mm. and, and and the 
seeing things come to fruition, like really hard work. And, and my past does not define me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, people say that all the time. And I, 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 I would kind of disagree. It does define who I am today. Because without all of that, I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows where I'd be? Mm. I mean, I'm going to be in a better place, a worse place, whatever. No one, God only knows. Mm. But I don't, and that's why I don't shy away from, from telling the story. Um, did I make a lot of mistakes? Absolutely. Um, did I learn from them? Absolutely. Mm. Um, am I still learning? Absolutely. And I, I've, I've been able to come out the other side um, stronger and still full of fear because there's, you know, there's some PTSD involved with, some, with a lot of what went on in my life mm. um, that I'm still dealing with today. Okay. Um, just simply living on the street, not knowing where your next meal comes from, hmm. that alone, drugs aside, crime aside, prison, all that aside, just not knowing that fear, that in, you know, innate fear of, will I live through this day? Hmm. Will I die of starvation? Will I ever have a place to lay my head again? You know, still can rear its ugly head today hmm. when I get into situations or even you know, disagreements with, with Danielle and um, needing to feel understood that that's what's happening. I'm, I'm not reacting to you. I'm reacting to what's happening from 10, 15, 20 years ago. I'm afraid that might happen again. Mm. And so um, it's, been a, it's been a struggle to even to the, you know, today, even today, um, there's, you know, I've come a long way in my life. Um, I, I'm a licensed realtor today. Okay. Um, which was a challenge. Um, if you know anything about getting licensed in this state for really anything, um, fingerprint clearance card was my first hurdle. Mm. Um, I need a level one fingerprint clearance card. Well, with four felonies on my record, mm. that alone was a challenge. You have to, that's through DPS. Like you have to apply through that for DPS. Um, I fought hard to get that, only to have the Department of Real Estate say, "Yeah, no, we're not going to. Your, your application's denied." Mm. I then had to um, go up against the attorney general's office and appeal the, the decision with the Department of Real Estate. Mm-hmm. I sat in front of the attorney general with, with letters upon letters of recommendation and, and reference from the last 10 years saying, yeah, that was him before, but this is who he is today. And um, was granted a, a, my real estate license uh, uh-huh. a little over two years ago and have been so grateful to have been given that opportunity to provide for our family. Hmm. Um, you know, I got into real estate so that Danielle could kind of get out hmm. and now mm-hmm. she's able to go off to uh, nursing school. Wow. And, um, you know, that's what she, she was, she's been in real estate for 20 years hmm. and she was ready. She'll still, she'll always maintain her license, but she was ready to not be in real estate anymore. Hmm. And so, hmm. and I saw an opportunity to, that just, man, that looks like a lot of fun. You know, I want to work with people. I want to. I want to yeah, serve. I see that in your personality. Yeah, like, this wanna, is like a really good fit for you. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I want to serve, and I want to. I want to. You know, I, I had a, a veteran. I like to work with veterans and and what we, the heroes, first mm. responders, law enforcement, teachers, healthcare workers, that sort of thing. And that's that's the those are the people that I most like. You know, most want to work with because they most deserve our thanks and mm. our reward. And 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 so 
worked with a veteran over the summer that just, you know, I'm still getting pictures from his family. He sends me pictures of the kids playing in their first time homeowners, never owned a house before, been living with their, you know, his, his parents or her parents or something for so many years. They got three kids. They got a dog, which they've never been able to do. And the kids are, you know, they send me videos of them just playing with the dog. Hmm. I'm like, that's why I got into this. Hmm. That's why I'm doing what I do today. And so it's, you know, and, and, and that's what I fought for. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it, it, if it wasn't for faith in, in the fact that, that Jesus has been here for me hmm. this whole time, even though I denied it or I, I refused to see it, he was there and he continues to be there on a daily basis in everything we do. Um, you know, and, and one of the things, you know, it's, it's crazy. You know, I, when Aria was born three and a half years ago, I never thought I'd be a father that given, given everything that I'd been through, hmm. um, we actually weren't even sure if we could have a child. Okay. Um, we were not, you know, spring chickens and I had done a lot of damage to my body. Hmm. Um, and we, you know, we were about to go see a fertility doctor when she actually, when Danielle got pregnant. Okay. It was like, it was just a miracle hmm. that we even, you know, were able to get pregnant. And then um, she actually miscarried hmm. a week later and we got pregnant the next month. Oh, wow. With Aria. So not only to add like how much of a miracle it was, but it was a miracle stacked on a miracle. Hmm. And so when she was born, my life changed. And, and really was able to say, holy cow, hmm. like, there's, there's God. Yeah. There's every bit of joy and happiness and love and fear and <laughs> everything that you could, like, I have to keep this human alive. Yeah. <laughs> like, how am I going to keep oh this human? Gosh, yeah. I have to keep this human being alive. <laughs> I could barely keep myself alive. Now I've got to keep not only me, but my wife. Mm two other kids and then this human being who can't even lift her head up, can't feed herself. Yeah. And um, we shared, shared, you know, one of the things that was devastating, you know, was I was, I carried this around was that, you know, waiting for something to go wrong with her. Hmm. I know that God will, God will take us through it. I know things will be okay. I know we'll get through it, but I just, I'm, my biggest fear today was, or my biggest fear then was, don't let anything happen to her. Yeah. Don't let anything happen to her. And he um, he heard my prayer <laughs> and raised me one. Um, in that, you know, I was always afraid of what would happen to her, never giving any thought what would happen to her if something happened to Danielle or I. Mm. And um, that really rocked my world last Friday. And you know. Um, I don't mind sharing it. The world will know by the time this podcast comes out and has already been out there that um, Danielle was diagnosed with breast cancer uh, last Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd, we'd known that she was of high risk. Her mom had had uh, breast cancer 10 years ago. Okay. And so she was high risk and we knew that. Um, and so she was being monitored closely uh, with mammograms every six months and... Um, especially after Aria was born, she was breastfeeding and she was, dis- you know, she was having, you know, discomfort and so was really being monitored closely. 
And I didn't realize how much that was affecting Danielle, like not knowing. Um, so the, the, the results coming back on Friday that she had breast cancer was almost a relief to her. Hmm. And at the same time, a terrifying realization of what if it's not Aria that has something like Aria, what if Aria has to live without what if the other girl, you know, not only, not, not just Aria, but Cameron and Kate and Aria and me and our, and the rest of our family, what if Danielle doesn't make it? Hmm. What if this takes her out? And all of a sudden it wasn't, the fear was not about Aria getting sick or mm -hmm. something happening to her. It was, how devastating that would be to her and to the girls about, you know, if their mom was gone, it's that would, that just es escalated, you know, took it to a whole new level. Hmm. And, you know, it was through Christ that we just sort of found peace in that, hmm. that he's going to carry her. He's going to take care of her. Um, he's going to take care of us and whatever his plan is, we will trust in it. Hmm. And, um, We've had a lot of outpouring and, and you know, prayers and, and, you know, good vibes coming our way. And I think we, um, we're, we're spending a lot of time thinking about it, you know, and praying about what direction we're going to go and how we're going to, what, what direction we're going to take it. Um, you know, we've, we've got time. She's at a very stage zero, um, you know, uh, caught it very early and we're in good shape. So... That's um, great. Yeah, so we we'll 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 uh, we'll keep everybody up to date as we know more. Right now, we have more questions than we have answers. Sure. Um, and hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll start to get more answers to those questions and um, base all of our decisions on that. Okay. So, yeah. As we, um, man, this is an epic journey you've been on. Um, as we kind of wrap up, I actually want to swap the order of the last two questions that I have for you. Um, so how would you summarize just kind of your life, who you are, um, both before you came to Jesus and after? How would you like succinctly compare and contrast, you know, who you are and, uh, before and after Jesus? What would you say are the most notable differences? Um, more peace hmm. since I've... Um, Allowed, allowed Jesus into my life. Hmm. Um, I think I've always been a really, you know, I've always been a good guy. I've always been fun, loving, caring, mm -hmm. out, you know, outgoing, but more just, you know, loyal and, and somebody you could trust to mm -hmm. get, to, to be there for you. Even in the darkest days, I was, I was taken advantage of because of that fact. Hmm. Um, so now coming out of the other side of that, I, you know, I've got Christ on my side too. And so the comparison of then and now is the same. I'm still the same guy. I've never been, never been a bad guy. Mm -hmm. I did bad things mm -hmm. and I did, you know, I did stupid things and I did very destructive things and hurt a lot of people along the way, myself most, you know, foremost. Um, but allowing Christ into my life has allowed me peace, mm. um, peace with my past. Uh, and, and allowed me that um, forgiveness and grace in my own life, uh, something I still struggle with. We named Aria, Aria's middle name is Grace, hmm. because Daddy struggles with grace. Hmm. And, and as a, well, that's not necessarily why we, <laughs> that's what I like to say. 
Uh, <laughs> Danielle just rolled, you know, just rolled her eyes. Um, that um, that was part of, you know, just my understand, you know, was trying to figure out what is grace. I didn't even understand grace. He said, mm. Give me some grace. I don't even know what that is. How can I give it to you? Mm-hmm. And learning to give myself grace mm. with where I was and what I did and and the fact that I don't have to be that person anymore. Mm. I, I I still am that person and, and at the core of who I was even then I was still a good guy. Mm-hmm. I was still loyal. I was trustworthy well, trustworthy is probably that one's loose. We'll say that one loosely because there was well, no, it's all relative. It's all relative. <laughs> when we're exactly. comparing ourselves exactly. to Jesus, it's yeah. all, well, it's yeah. all yeah. pretty or, relative yeah, to yourself previously. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, the difference is is you know today I don't have to I don't have to seek. I do. I, you know, we're all human. I think we all still seek approval, whether mm-hmm. it's with our own approval or that of our peers or our spouse or our kids um, or even Christ. We we want. I think we want God's approval and, and, you know, for, for some of us that comes easily through just doing good works and just, I I don't, I can't speak for everybody else. I just know that I, the way for me, I still judge myself. Mm -hmm. I still, you know, am I worthy of his love? Mm. Um, I still struggle with that. Mm. Um, Up here, we talked about making the connection between the brain and the heart up here, up here. I, I, I logically know Sure, he he died for me. Of yeah. course, I, I deserve it. Down here in my heart, I still question: Am I worthy? Sure. And and so it's it's definitely make the connections being made mm-hmm. each day. Um, working with the kids and working with with uh, you know the how the the families in Mexico and working just doing being more and more a part of the church in any way you know whether it's it's serving on Sundays or it's the food trucks or whatever getting involved and just being a part of other believers. Um, outside of church, you know, and, and I mean, you know, it's, I've never thought of myself as somebody that would share the gospel or share Jesus at all. Mm-hmm. And even at home, I've got to be careful because my family is, my, my in-laws are, are still Jewish and mm-hmm. we celebrate Hanukkah. We celebrate Passover. We're going Monday actually for uh, Rosh Hashanah. Okay. We're going up to temple because my, my daughters are Jewish too. Okay. Because Judaism runs in the blood of the mother. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they are Christians but they're Jewish by blood. Sure. And so we honor my mother-in-law and um, in her faith um, by, by continuing to, to go, with, go with her to temple and, mm-hmm. and do things with her. And, and when people kind of look at me funny and I'm like, Jesus was born, was born and died yeah. a Jew. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> he, there was, he was not a Christian. Yeah. Um, we did that later. Yeah, um, you know, he he set the foundation there, but yeah, he was still Jewish when he died. And there are some beautiful Jewish traditions that we can, as believers in Christ, oh, yeah. still reflect on and oh, and yeah. uh, gain some appreciation for. Sure, yeah. there's a lot of um, and Danielle and I have had a, a discussions about, and she, you know, having grown up Jewish, she's seen things that she talks about things with me, and just the the similarities in some of the. Uh, the things that are done and how it points to Jesus mm-hmm. and how it's like, it's frustrating for her because having grown up, it's like, how did we did not see this? Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, with her mom and her father and her, you know, that, you know, she, she honors them and, and, you know, it was hard for her to, to convert to Christianity because mm-hmm. it, it hurt, it hurt them, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, you just didn't, do that. Yeah. So that's a whole nother podcast. But. <laughs> well, um, 
the last question I want to ask is if I told you that I had like this time capsule type device I could send back in time and you didn't think I was a kook and you believed that this was actually a real thing that I had, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what, um, what just kind of uh, brief message that would, would bubble up to the surface is something you would want to send back to the Mike who is just maybe just starting high school? What would you? What message would you want to send back to to that Mike? Um, that don't put so much weight on what other people think. Hmm. Um, I think that was one of my biggest downfalls and one of my biggest things that wrapped me up in trying to please everybody, um, trying to be that chameleon I spoke about. That that you know I, I want to make sure that I maintain like a politician. Hmm. You know, I kind of think it like with the, you know, all the stuff that we're being thrown at us today. I think about all these people that come out and they say one thing because they're talking to this group of people. And they yeah. say another thing when they're talking to this group of people. And that was me. Hmm. Like, I never I never had the, the guts to go run for office when, you know, you know, for like student council or anything like that. But I could have. <laughs> I mean, I, I, could, I could talk with all of them. Mm-hmm. And I was always just seeking people's approval, hmm. not realizing I didn't have, have it myself. I didn't have it. That's all I needed was my own approval. I needed to just be okay with me. Hmm. And so that would be the one thing. I'd just go back and tell me, you know what? You are great the way you are. Hmm. Love you. Love Christ. And then, and, and then love you the way he loves you hmm. uh, without judgment. And, you know, without... I um, went to a conference last week that they talked about, you know, with connection. And, have, you know, with, there is no connection with judgment. When judgment is involved, you cannot connect you're too busy trying to judge rather yeah, than connect yeah. with somebody. Yep. And, and, and it was, you know, implementing that in, into the real estate world with clients is that don't, you know, that's where it was going, but it really spoke to me about even just talking to myself. Don't judge yourself. Hmm. How am I supposed to make a connection with myself if I'm too busy judging myself over what I've done or what I might do or my, where this could go? Hmm. I, you know, I used to, you know, I, say should you know you should have should have done this should have done that and mm-hmm. shooting all over myself mm. um and it never served me it never did me any good i still do it i mean don't get me wrong I, sure I, I, yeah i think we all question ourselves at some point throughout the day or the yeah. week or the month but um am i doing the right thing and just don't sweat that mm. you know i think of the don't sweat the small stuff and and you're looking back and thinking, wow, that was... And seeing now Cameron, who's 13, going into... She's in eighth grade. She's about to go into high school, and she's at that age you're asking me about. And how much stuff she sweats. Hmm. How many little things. Like, it matters. And, and, and in her world, I know it does. Yeah. It is huge. And yet, it isn't. Yeah. And, and that's the, the... I think that's the key thing to go back and tell myself, is it, you know, just take a deep breath. Hmm. You know? We, we're, we're teaching Aria right now, take a deep breath and count to four. When you feel like you're angry, it's Daniel Tiger, but it's... Uh, <laughs> hey! <laughs> when you feel like you're going to roar, truth take a truth. deep breath and count to four. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and she, it's working. And it's, it's, something, it's, it's like so simple. It's like so childish, but man, it works. And yeah. I, I'm finding myself doing it and mm. trying to stay calmer. Just it doesn't really matter. We're here for such a, a small amount of time. Let's not worry about that, the, those small things. And man, the, the different, I had the, you know, that they always talk about the potential, 
you know, you had, oh, it's such great potential. And man, I had people tell me, like I had, I played McGruff the Crime Dog. I was part of the D.A.R.E. program. Hmm. I, you know, did all these different things in high school and ended up going the other direction hmm. from it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and having that potential, even in the Navy, you know, I was, I was, I could have been groomed for, for officer candidate school and that scared the heck out of me. So I screwed that up, mm-hmm. you know, because I ex- put too much expectation on mm. what people would think of me if I failed, mm. that I was afraid of succeeding. Mm-hmm. I, you know, people always talk about, it's always, oh, you have a fear of success or fear of failure. I, I didn't, I was comfortable with failure. I was afraid of success because mm. then you expect more of me. Yeah. And then I've got to put more expectations on myself and not even realize I'm doing it. Mm. And, and then that just gets to be too much. Yeah. Today, I, I, I have to manage my own expectations of me and uh, be sure. And, and, and I, I, I make sure that I try to set boundaries with other people, even, you know, with Danielle and the kids. And yeah, I don't think you can put that on me because I can't put that on me. Mm-hmm. So I have to manage that expectation in a, in a positive way hopefully, but, you know, so that it, uh, we can move forward in a, in a happy world. Yeah. So, well, I so appreciate just your willingness to come and just kind of put yourself on the table. I know that that's, that takes uh, a bit of energy and, uh, and trust to do that. So, uh, but I really, really appreciate you spending the time and sharing all this with us. Absolutely. Mike. And I, I want to thank you for giving me a, a platform in which to, to share it. Um, I, I shared with you with you earlier that you know I'm by no means is this story something I'm really proud of. The dark days I'm not proud of those days. Um, however, I don't shy away from telling them, and I don't shy away from sharing them because they are what made me who I am today. And if even a little bit of that story can resonate with somebody who's listening, or that I that I tell it to, and it can give them just that glimmer of hope or that can give them something to hold on to or just give them that, Hey, I can go talk to him. He knows, Mm. or, you know, there are people out here. I don't, there are people to talk to out here. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, that Jesus is there and there's always him. You can always talk to him. Mm -hmm. Um, you may not like what you hear and, and, but he'll always be honest with you. Mm. He'll always give you what you, you, what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. So, yeah. That's great, man. Well, thanks again. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys for, for doing this. This is awesome. Well, like I said, at the uh, beginning of all that, I, I really didn't know where that was going, but that, uh, I'm really glad he was willing to share all that. I can imagine a lot of people would not. So that was, that was great to hear from him. What, what kind of stood out, uh, Dave, to you from our time talking to Mike? Uh, well, there's quite a few things. Uh, but one of the things I thought uh, was just powerful was his recollection of, of now looking back. It's kind of like when you're hiking a mountain, uh, you can't really see the beauty until you get to the top. And so it was this idea of, was Jesus really with me? Was he real? And it wasn't until it was later in the journey, he could look back and be like, wow, Jesus, I mean, he said he was there. And and what an impact that had on him. And, and along with just his continual journey of, of faith, that it wasn't like he arrived. It was something that 
he's continuing in and being part of community is helping him do that. Serving. Uh, I loved how he talked about the kids' Bible and how oh, yeah. he kind of just devoured that. And it was like, this makes so much sense, which then leads to his spiritual growth. And then it was, um, and now his just desire to serve and how God had planted that seed so long ago and how he's now able to be aware of that, um, what seemed uh, like such a simple thing. Uh, but it's just God's magnificence behind the scenes of, hey, even when you walk away from me, I'm still going to pursue you. Yeah. And, and it may just take a minute or two or decades uh, for that reality to come uh, to fruition. I can't say that word, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think what jumped out to me was th- the way, I, I, the word for lack of a non, you know, uh, churchy word, sanctification came to mind, you know, because he, he talked about a number of times how he was, you know, as he put it, uh, always a good guy, you know, as, as, as we typically think of people, you know, he was, a, he was always a good guy, you know, and yet was, had fallen into all these things. And, you know, but there was, you know, there, sometimes uh, we can assume that like, oh gosh, if God takes control of my life, if I really give my life daily to Christ, he's going to turn me into some kind of alien that's not me, hmm. you know? I'm not going to be myself anymore, you know? But um, in in his case, I, I think, you know, he was seeing and telling us about how God had already built some things into him that were good and God-honoring, and what he saw over time was that God wanted to strip away the things that were, uh, that were holding those uh, beautiful parts back, and wanted to enhance and give purpose and power to those parts of his life that God wanted to see him continue to grow and just flourish in, you know. So uh, it was neat to hear about kind of that part of his story. It seemed to be something he came back to uh, uh, now and again. Ah! Oh my gosh, you guys. Dave, like, just hit me in the face with a big wooden pole segment. You can go to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to find our poll question every month. And the question this month, um, what's your favorite fall treat, pumpkin pie or apple pie? 71 voted for pumpkin pie and 52 voted for Apple. There were some interesting comments people left on uh, that social media post. Kim Reed said she loves her mom's delicious pumpkin pie cake. Terry Brown said, I'll do the apple any day. Apple pie, cobbler, crisp, baked, or fried. And then we just have a quote that says, Team Franco loves pumpkin. And Holly Franson, I don't know who this lady is, but she says, I voted pumpkin, but how can you really choose? Well, I can explain to her how she can choose, but I want to hear from (laughs) you first. Dave, pumpkin or apple? Uh, I'm still getting uh, used to that noise you just made, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I would, uh, I'm a, I'm an apple guy through and through. Oh yeah? Yeah, I grew up in Chicago where we had Baker Squares. I don't Mm. know if they ever had those out here in Arizona, but. No, it sounds lovely though. They had this Dutch apple uh, pie where it had this amazing kind of like crumble on the top. Ooh. That's just epically sugary Mm. so you have kind of just that like goodness of i'm eating an apple but i also have like the sugar and just the combo it's just it's Mm. like peanut butter and jelly like you can't separate they're okay yeah when you bring them together Mm. uh but if you serve me up or pumpkin too uh i'll do it 
So yeah, I I have been warming up over the years to apple based pies. Um, I think there is I, I I need some whipped cream still, <laughs> a good healthy amount of whipped cream. Sure, but I'm 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 seeing the benefit of that particular type of pie. However. Uh, I r- regret to inform all the voters that they have chosen incorrectly. The correct answer <laughs> is chocolate pudding pie. I don't oh. know why that's sometimes we got to talk. I got to talk to whoever's making the po- Is this you, Arian, that's making these poke? Okay, we're going to have a talk later. Uh, <laughs> you seem to miss some key options in these questions. Chocolate pudding pie was the gaping hole in the poll this month. Chocolate pudding pie. I didn't grow up having like pumpkin pie for uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I know we're getting ahead of the game here. It's sure. not Thanksgiving month yet, but uh, I could never stomach uh, the that. The stores would beg to differ. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, I am <laughs> I am often the odd man out, so that is that is my lot in life. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Living Stones. You can follow Red Mountain Community Church at MyRedMTN on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also go online to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit responses to our poll questions and leave questions for the guests featured on the next show. On our next episode, we'll be talking with Jeff Pitzer. Thank you, Arian. (laughs) He'll share how he became involved uh, with Red Mountain through the kindness of another person and how God used him to answer Bob Fox's prayers. That sounds like an interesting story. You can go online to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit your question for Jeff, and you may just hear it read on the next episode. In the meantime, I'm Peter Franson. And Dave Amy. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Sunday. (laughs) 